Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone using his deep radio voice. Joining me today, Josh Newberg, Zach Blostein, our uh, our camp coverage extraordinaires. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good. Uh, back from camp. Was up there on Thursday until Saturday night and was lucky enough to be joined by Zach. Um, Zach, did you learn anything out at camp this weekend? For sure. I got the I got the good um the good insight from Josh and just was out there talking with a bunch of people. So it was definitely a good experience. Yeah, it was a little bit different camp. Um more laid back than any of the other ones that I've covered in the past. Um only a handful of guys that we were there to see each session. But we did uh we did I thought we covered it well, thought we told the whole story, um, focused on the guys that were getting the most attention, shot a lot of video. If you go to Zachariah's Twitter account, um, and we'll recamp the whole count, the whole camp from <laughs> from non-participants to campers. Recap the whole count. We'll re- recap the whole camp. But first, I want to get to uh, the news that I think broke on Thursday. Um, Maurice Schoolsby, 2019 wide receiver signee out of Donnell in Florida, no longer a Seminole. Um, not sure exactly what he's going to be doing, or I mean where he's going to be doing it, but we do know he's going to be playing baseball. It sounds like maybe it's going to be a junior college, maybe he's going to transfer somebody, somewhere else, but whatever is going on with Maurice Schoolsby, we know he won't be doing it at Florida State. Um, it's now official, Florida State did not sign any skill players, so you guys can stop yelling at me when I say that FSU didn't sign any skill players, even though Maurice Schoolsby was still on the list. Um, as far as a loss on the field, I don't think Goolsby is going to hit that hard. Um, he wasn't a guy that I was all that high on, and I don't believe he was a guy that the staff was all that high on. Um, I had been being told since the summer, don't worry about Goolsby. Um, I was, that's directly what I was told a number of times, even during the summer. Well, don't Josh, worry what, about do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Don't worry about him. Like, don't worry about him being when, when, I brought up rumors of grades or other things to the staff, um, especially after we he committed early on and then never visited. Not only didn't visit, but never camped. Um, and I think he was one of those guys that you need to see in camp due to, let's say, some of the deficiencies in his game, just to see if he's going to fit. Mostly speed. Not super um, explosive as an athlete. Big guy. Yeah. Right. So – as far as the, the the hit on the field goes, I don't really see it being that big. I think the the only thing that surprised me with Goolsby being – I'm not going to say he was let go at this time, but with, with everybody just separating ways at this time, the surprising part to me was the energy and time and resources they put into him in the months of December and January. Um, coming out of the season – I had said, I don't think Goolsby's going to be in this class, but you know, we'll, we'll see what they do as far as these in-home visits go. The staff hit the road on that Monday following the UF game, and they were in Goolsby's home on Tuesday. So I was like, wow, this is interesting. You know, This goes against what I was being told, um, but they clearly want him if they're going to do these in-home visits with them. Well, we learned that they did an in-home visit with them pretty much every week. So... I never understood why they didn't just let him go then because Donnell and Ford is not exactly um, it's not, not easy to on, get the, to on the way to anything. So all those visits from Mark Snyder and the wide receiver coaches, um, that was taking time away from what they could have been doing in 2020. I've stressed this before, the FSU and their scramble to finish 2019 may have put them behind the eight ball slightly on 2020. And I think this is another good example of that. 
you go and see him in home four or five times in a two month span, that's time you could be seeing other prospects. So Goolsby is not going to make a huge impact whether or not he's in this class. But at this point, we could definitely turn the page on him and don't have to talk about him ever again. Another guy that we won't have to talk about, well, we probably will have to talk about him again when he's playing inside of Doak Campbell Stadium, but it won't be for the Seminoles, and that's Tallahassee Lincoln three-star tight end Sage Ennis. Um, Today, he made his much-anticipated decision and announced on Twitter that it's going to be Clemson. Um, Zach, come on in here for a second. What Um, happened between Sage Ennis when he got offered by Florida State to today when he committed to Clemson? Well, I think, um, you know, even when he got offered by Florida State, Clemson was the offer that was still lingering. Um, he was talking to their coaches um, all throughout spring. And it was kind of like, OK, I'm going to wait until I, um, if I do or don't get that offer um, for him. So he went to that camp a couple of weeks ago um, up in Clemson and a couple of days after camping up with that staff. He got the offer and then um, immediately you could see, um, you know, our, our experts and insiders on their on Clemson side were feeling confident that um, Clemson could secure a commitment from him. And clearly they were right. Um, and he committed to the Tigers this uh, just a couple of minutes ago, actually. Yeah. And to me, this is another one um, that doesn't necessarily impact FSU hugely on the field. But it's an optics thing. It's a kid that got the FSU offer, said it was his dream school, uh, continue to visit. Did he visit FSU again after the Clemson visit or, or once the Clemson offer came in? Was that his, the last time he visited FSU? That- yeah, I, he was planning to visit later that week. I right. think he got the offer on maybe Monday or Tuesday. And he had told us that weekend that he wanted to get to FSU like Thursday or something that week. And after getting the offer, he just canceled that visit, um, you know, citing that he was, you know, getting in late from visits and stuff. I think he I think he went to NC State earlier that week, um, got in late Wednesday and was like, OK, I'm not going to take this FSU visit. And then just never came back before deciding. Right. So here he is committed to Clemson. Um, and I know there's a lot of upset FSU fans just feeling like, man, recruiting's not been going our way and this kid was dreaming of coming to FSU and I highly doubt Sage Ennis had dreams of playing for a five and seven FSU. I think when he was dreaming of FSU as his school, it was a lot different era. Um, so you really, it's hard to blame a kid. It's hard to blame the FSU staff on this one, um, where the hometown kid picks Clemson coming off of their national title. Um, so we'll move on from say Ennis. that one. We all know the story with Clemson commitments. They have a very good, uh, ability to retain their commitments. So I don't expect to hear this name come around again. Um, one name that we might hear come around again is Lou Dorsey. Um, one last guy we got to hit on before camp. This was news. I believe this was on Wednesday or Thursday as well, but Lou Dorsey had, uh, committed to Memphis. He announced it on his Twitter account. Um, he's a guy that had come in twice for visits, played high school ball with DJ Matthews in Jacksonville and signed with Illinois coming out, ran into some issues at Illinois and left for junior college. Um, Intriguing size, intriguing speed. He's a guy that FSU kicked the tires on and offered, but he is headed to Memphis, at least for now. Um, 
don't want to spend too much time there. Let's get into camp. But before we do that, let's take a break for these sponsors. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. And now uh, Zach and I are going to sit down and recap what we're here to do, which is talk about camp. Um, I want to start it off by talking about there was no official visitor. So all of these are unofficial visits, um, just to preface that. But some of the unofficial non-participants that we saw during throughout the week, uh, probably if you, if you look at the star rankings, it definitely outweighed the, the, the targets that were on the field. Um, there was much more talent off of it, including Jalen Knighton, Michael Redding, Kevon Lee, commitments Malachi Weidman, Josh Griffiths, Keyshawn Green, Jeff Sims, and 2022 uh, athlete Melvin Jordan. All of them were there. Uh, let's start with the headliner, Zach. Um, we'll go with Jalen Knighton first. He's a guy that you've almost exclusively covered uh, being a South Florida guy and, and working for Knowles 24-7. So tell us about Jalen Knighton and his recent visit to Florida State and why this one was so important. Yeah, so um, we, me and uh, Michael Langston from WarChat, we were kind of going around trying to find him um, later in the day after um, the second session of that sa- uh, Sunday camp ended, um, and that led us into the IPF around like 7 p.m. And you know he was on the golf cart sitting with Taggart um, and a couple of the other coaches, you know, a couple feet away. And they were all just kind of talking with him. He seemed pretty comfortable. Um, you know, he came over, did a quick interview, basically said he was loving the visit, um, gave me, you know, gave me flashbacks of when he came out of the moor after the spring game and he was just, um, his face was lit up. He was very, you know, excited and, you know, the visit just went very well and this kind of, um, went the same way. So the big news coming out of, um, that interview was that he was actually going to plan to commit within the next next week or so um we're, i'm still trying to figure out he plans to visit ohio state in the next uh week um and then after that visit he says he'll make his commitment um and it'll be at some sort of event um he doesn't know the location yet but that um in my opinion looks good for fsu as long 
um, here in the next week or so. Yeah, we both have a crystal ball in for Knighton to FSU, correct, Zach? Yes. Okay, yeah, I know I put one in right after his first visit. Maybe I was the first one to put it in. I don't know. Usually works that way, Zach. But um, (laughs) how big of a threat do we feel Ohio State is here on this last – because it's going to be the last visit um, only because the dead period hits, and it sounds like he's going to make his decision during that dead period. So how much of a threat is Ohio State? Well, I think, you know, based on recent history, Ohio State does a good job when they get kids on campus – um, the only thing that's not going for them is that I don't think they've gotten him on campus this year. While FSU has gotten him on campus twice, Miami's gotten gotten him on campus multiple times. So I would say the one downfall for them is that they don't really have that um, connection that you know he that Knighton has with the in-state schools. Um, but you know, there's always that chance that they can impress him and wow him on that visit. But for right now, I think FSU sits in that full position with him. I agree. I feel. Heading into this visit to Ohio State, I feel very confident in my crystal ball pick. Um, I got a good source at Ohio State, so I'll get a feel for that when when it's complete. But right now, I think we uh, we see a commitment for, from Jalen Knighton to FSU this summer. Um, Knighton is one of a handful of what I consider the elite backs in the state. Um, he would be a, a great pickup because FSU, like we've been telling you guys, is looking to sign two to three. And they currently have none committed, but getting Jalen Knighton on board first would be a, a big step in the right direction for FSU. Um, one of the other big-time official, unofficial visitors, uncommitted guys, big-time targets on offense, um, was Michael Redding III. He's a wide receiver at IMG Academy down in Bradenton, ranked as the uh, 28th best wide receiver in the country, top 150 guy as well. Uh, Redding was in town with, I believe, his father or his uncle or somebody, but he wasn't there alone. Um, did not work out, but when he arrived, uh, Zach and I spotted him in the IPF, and he was immediately swarmed by the Pensacola guys, uh, Keyshawn Helton, Darius Washington among those, and Coach Dugans. They spent a lot of time together. Um, Redding was on campus for what, like four or five hours, Zach? Did we see him yeah. there? Before? Yeah, he was in the IPF for a couple hours, and I guess um, he, had, he had told me later on that he was actually like inside the facility for a little bit, speaking with the coaches and doing some stuff inside the moor. Um, but yeah, he was, he was in there for a couple hours. Okay. And you spoke with, uh, spoke with Redding when we got off the phone with him. So, or when, when he got out of there, you got on the phone with him. So tell me who's the biggest competition right now for Florida state and, uh, Michael Redding. Um, it's kind of hard to tell with him because he didn't really give me that much in that, uh, phone call. But what I, do know is that um, Miami and Florida are starting to push more for him with their targets, you know, coming off the board here um, with a lot of commitments happening in this early summer. Um, But, you know, with all three in-state schools having offered and then having, um, you know, the likes of Notre Dame, um, Penn State out of, you know, outside the state of Florida, um, he's actually interested in a couple schools. Um, I do, I do think FSU has a really good shot here. I just think that they're going to have to um, weather the storm with uh, schools like even Purdue because he really likes their engineering program. Um, that's what he plans to major in. Um, so it's it's going to be tough. Um, and once again, I don't really have a great feeling uh, with where he's standing right now. Um, but I think that you know getting him back on campus was a very good uh, sign for Florida State. I just think that um, you know, this might go a little bit longer than we previously expected. 
Well, I think that's a good thing for Florida State. The longer this one goes, the better. Redding has previously told me on on another visit that he wants to see what FSU can do this season, but then at the same time said he was going to make a summer decision. So <clears throat> if he, the longer he waits, I feel is the better for FSU. Um, but I also feel, I think I feel a little bit more confident in Redding exiting this visit than you do. Um, he visited, He, I want to say in the last 10 days, he's visited all three Florida schools. So this was the final big three school that he was going to visit in June. Um, I do think of the two others, I think uh, Miami. Miami is probably the, the school that maybe uh, made the biggest gain on him with their visit. But I'm pretty close to putting that crystal ball in for Redding. want to see him get back in July. Um, like Zach said, I, even if it's a summer decision, I still think it's a late summer decision. So there's still some more time left on this recruitment. But getting him on campus was a positive. Another one that returned um, for his third visit in four weeks was four-star running back Kevon Lee out of Pinellas County. He goes to Superior Collegiate Academy, which is North Pinellas, like in Clearwater. Um, he spoke to us after his day, day-long visit or two-day visit. Um, he was up there with Melvin Jordan, who committed and his cousins with Kevon Lee. He committed to FSU two weeks ago. Um Kevon Lee's primary teams that he's considering right now are kind of shaping up to be FSU, LSU, Penn State, and Florida State. It sounds like Florida is pretty much all the way out at this point. And this is a one-time commitment to Florida. Um, Zach, do you think the Gators are, are in this or are they done? Um, I think that um, with the recent news that he's being recruited as a linebacker to the Gators, um, he's not a fan of that. Uh, I think he's still interested in Florida if they started recruiting him as a running back. Again, I think he'd show interest. Um, I just think that he really doesn't want to play linebacker in college, um, at least at this moment. So, you know, I think I think Florida's out of it um, at this juncture. Yeah, that talk is continuing to increase. I've heard it in the background a little bit uh, with coaches around the country about him projecting as a linebacker, not a running back. But Kevon Lee, six foot, 225 pounds. Um, he, he's expected back in July for, for camp. I have no reason to believe he won't. And then I think FSU holds off on his official visit. Cause he took it. He's only taken one official visit and that was to Penn state in April. My bet is FSU gets him back on campus again in July and he takes his official in the fall. I, you know, coming out of his decommitment to Florida, Kevon Lee made it clear that he was in no rush to decide and was going to do so after his senior season. Um, you talked to him recently, Zach. Do you think that still stands, or do you think we see Lee make a summer decision? Yeah, I think I think it's going to extend um, either into the season or afterwards. I think that you know he wants to take all of his officials this time. He's not going to make a um, you know a decision that he doesn't you know feel is the right one. So I think that he's going to take it you know pretty far into this cycle, just because he wants to take all those officials. Yep. So that's one we're going to wait out. <clears throat> um, and then we'll just hit on some commitments. I don't really have too much to say about any of these guys, but they were all on campus hanging out. Um, Malachi Weidman, wide receiver commitment from Sarasota. Josh Griffiths, IMG defensive end. Keyshawn Green, linebacker out of Orlando that we all like a whole – or uh, out of uh, the panhandle that we like a lot. Jeff Sims, quarterback commitment. Um, the future out of Jacksonville. He was there. Jeff Sims stopped by for a minute. I thought that was kind of an odd visit, Zach. Um, yeah. Sims arrived on Friday during the second session. 
went straight to the Moore Center. I was told he was doing a photo shoot. Um, I could have sworn Jeff's done like five of these already. And then he showed up on the field for, I saw him there for about a half hour. Um, and then I think he went back home. Did, did you have a chance to catch up with Sims at all? Or did you get any feedback from the visit? I mean, we just kind of like said, said, what's up? Um, he was driving away on a golf cart, right? When I got out to that, those outdoor fields on the practice fields. Um, like you said, I only saw him out there for maybe 30 minutes to an hour actually out on the fields. Um, but yeah, he said that he had gone inside the moor and was doing a photo shoot and just hanging out for a bit. So I don't think it was anything more than like a three or four hour visit in total. Right. And he was there on Friday and then on, and Josh Griffiths was there on Friday for a little bit as well. Uh, And then on Saturday we saw the arrival of Malachi Weidman. Um, He came with former FSU quarterback, Adrian McPherson and a teammate or a a buddy of his named Charles Brantley that we're going to hit on later. Um, Weidman and Kevon Lee spent a lot of time together. I know um, Weidman, we saw him bounce between FSU coaches saying hi, had a huge smile on his face at every turn. Um, he hung out on primarily on Saturday, and I believe they left Saturday afternoon. So it was good to see Malachi Weidman back on campus for the first time since his commitment. Um, anything to add before we move on to these uh, to the non-participants that we talked about, Zach? Yeah, I would just say that with Keyshawn Green arriving, that's always a good sign. Um, although he's almost always um, on campus for any of their events, I just think that you know, he's a really, really talented prospect, and he told me there's still schools that are trying to contact him. But the good sign is for FSU is that he told me that he's totally focused on Florida State, and um, I asked him, does any other school have a chance at flipping you? He said no. So um, that's the only thing I would just note out of those commitments that made it, made it onto Florida State's campus this weekend. Yeah, and it was good to see a lot of these guys there, but I much rather would have seen them participating in camp um, the staff does a good job of cultivating the family relation relationship with these guys. But I think one thing that is maybe lacking is fostering an environment of real competition between the commitments. Um, I think it's kind of odd that Jeff Sims, although he committed to FSU before the spring eval period and de- the coaches definitely got to go see him throw. I kind of think it's odd that Jeff Sims didn't come to campus and throw having seen in previous, the previous regime put such, such an emphasis on QB commitments, um, throwing in their camp with their direction and all that, just to see him in person. Uh, we, we didn't see that. And seeing guys with sandals and jeans on the sidelines is just something that, uh, kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. Would have rather seen these guys participating, working out with their future coaches. But I think that this staff is just happy that they were there. Um, I don't know. Just something I would have liked to see, personally. So we'll, Josh, what yeah. what about what about the was it Saturday Night Lights or is it there or what are, what do they call or Saturday Night Live? Yeah, they're yeah. gonna get these guys on. They'll be they'll be here Saturday. throwing for them and they'll be competing then at least. I think that yeah. at least should be kind of a bookmark there. Yeah, I fully expect that. Um, I think that we're gonna see Jeff Sims throw there, but remember, it's one field. There's gonna be 80 guys on it. It's all and it's much looser. It's not as instructional. It's it's there for the for the Twitter uh, clips and the oohs and ahs and all that and pomp and circumstance. It's more of a recruiting event. These are coaching events. I would have loved to see Josh Griffiths there working out. And I would have loved to see Malachi Weidman, Um, especially a guy that's very raw at football. You see other teams. I know Alabama is very strict on this. You know, if, if they, 
offer a guy and accept his commitment, it's almost contingent, or I shouldn't say almost, it is contingent on him camping and him understanding that if you come to camp and don't leave up to the billing, then we, we might move on from you. Um, I think it was great having these guys there again, but I think that there's ways to kind of motivate these guys to work out. I know under the old staff, again, one of the things was if you were on the sidelines watching, they kind of gave you the cold shoulder. Um, I'm not going to say they weren't welcome there, but I remember sometimes, you know, stud players there and Eddie Grand just ignoring a kid altogether if he wasn't there working out with him and then maybe going up to him afterward and saying something. Um, we just didn't see that. So they'll be there, though, July 27th on the field at Dope Campbell Stadium for um, Saturday Night Live. Now, let's get to some of the guys that were there and were participating. Um, let's start with Georgia linebacker, linebacker Des, Desmond Tisdall. Um, he was a guy that was anticipated to come in, somebody that we all wanted to watch, a hard-hitting six-foot linebacker out of Georgia. Um, he camped. What did you guys think of him? Uh, and I'll open. Let's start with Brendan because this Brendan was there for that portion of it. Uh, you got to see Tisdall. What would you think? Well, this is my moment. I better not mess it up, right? No pressure. No pressure. I like Tisdall. Uh, he was someone who I'd heard really good things about before he came to camp. I hadn't seen him in person, but I liked his highlight tape a lot. He comes from a really athletic family. The, the Marshalls, uh, Tresman Marshall and Nick Marshall, those are names that our listeners would know. He, he's part of that that family tree. Uh, and he's someone whose athleticism I thought was was really evident when he was working out for Raymond Woody. He's explosive. He moves effortlessly. He's a little bit smaller than I think than, than maybe FSU would like in its inside linebackers. So maybe he's more of like a star guy. And of course, FSU already has linebackers, but Desmond Tisdale looked good. I, I thought the noteworthy thing, guys, was that Raymond Woody was kind of in his hip pocket the entire time. Like he he followed Tisdale around. He had Tisdale go first and all the drills. He showed him a lot of attention. And and I'll kick it to Zach here. I think I think Odell Higgins was also uh, showing T- Tisdale a lot of attention too, right? Yeah, when Tisdall was going through some of the defensive line drills during the warm-up session, Odell was really, you know, hammering on the um, instructional side of things, just kind of, you know, yelling at him a little bit. And, you know, me and Brendan kind of noted, you know, that probably means that he cares a lot more about um, Tisdall and, you know, what he's taken away from this camp. So, you know, I do think they showed him a lot of attention, especially Odell and, like you noted, Raymond Woody. Um, you know, and I think that's for good reason. Yeah. And I spoke to Tisdall after camp. Um, he, Florida state is not offered and he recently named a top five. Um, I asked him about why he came and you know, what's going on. He said, he still talks to the FSU staff and he's very interested. Um, I asked him if an offer were to come in, would it impact his top five? And he said, yes. And I said, why? And he goes, he kind of looked, he goes, this is Florida state. Um, that being said, Heading into the visit, I had heard that Florida and Auburn were probably the two teams at the top. I asked him about that directly, and he said, no, I'd say Auburn and South Carolina. He went on and talked more about Auburn. Um, I was thinking about putting a crystal ball pick in for him to Auburn, just the way that he talked about it without having the FSU offer in hand. Um, But I'm going to hold off on that for now. Tisdale is expected to return. I asked him what the FSU staff said about a possible offer, and he said that they're going to continue to talk to him. And if he comes back for the July 27th event, which is Saturday Night Live, 
Um, that's when the, when they might do something, but we'll see. Um, Josh, did he work out in the second part of the day or did he bounce? Just the first part, just the morning part, which is why I spoke to him after the session. That's right. I I have a feeling that if he had worked out for the second part, which I think was initially the plan, he would have gotten the offer. I think they would have liked to see him kind of grind it out for a few more hours. So it, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, they got kids committed to him that have never camped. So I find it hard to, you know, say that they wanted to see him two sessions before they could offer. But well, I remember think, Ryan, Ryan Davis last year, too, was kind of in that same same boat. Like that was like that's that stalemate. I don't know if it's the exact same thing, but they've, there's some precedent for that. Yeah. So we'll see uh, if, if there's some some talk of Tisdale maybe visiting Auburn this weekend before the dead period. Um, that would be something that would catch my eye. So I'm, I'm kind of watching that. I've been in contact with Keith Niebuhr a little bit. But beyond that, um, Tisdale's just, you know, six foot, 215. I think he's a thumper. I really like him on the inside, but I think he might be a number casualty for FSU. I know they're considering taking one more backer, um, but as of now, Tisdale doesn't have an offer, and he, uh, he might be leaning toward Auburn. So moving on to UF commitment. Johnny Brown. He showed up on Friday with a group from Pinellas County. Um, Johnny Brown is a defensive tackle, a, a bit undersized, very similar to Johnny Newton, who is right down the street from him in Pinellas County as well. And um, Newton's the uncommitted undersized defensive tackle. Johnny Brown's the committed to UF undersized defensive tackle. They're both very similar in stature, about six two and a half, six three right around 250, 255 pounds. Um, Brown came to camp. I don't, maybe he didn't have the intention of working out because once he started working out, um, 15 minutes in, he had to bow out due to lightheadedness from maybe not eating enough or drinking enough, but we did get to see him briefly. Um, Zach, throw it to you. What was your impressions of seeing Johnny Brown on the field? Um, You know, he was working one-on-one with, uh, now special teams coach Mark Snyder, who's obviously had, um, you know, experience with coaching D- the D line, but, uh, yeah, he looked pretty good in those 15 minutes. Um, he wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything jaw dropping, um, with his athletic ability, but he, he looked, you know, fundamentally sound. Um, I think, you know, I think he's, like you said, he's similar to Johnny Newton in his stature, uh, in his, in his ability on the field. I just think, that, you know, maybe, um, you know, people are, are, t- are too high on him. I, I'm not as high on him as some in the industry might be. Uh, but I agree. I think there's some, you know, ability there for him to grow. So he could be, uh, he could develop into something special. Yeah. And we'll see. F- FSU offered him after his quasi workout. Um, I, here's my take on it. If you're, if, whether it be Brown or Newton, I think you can only take one of these guys in the class. You took Malcolm Ray last year. Um, he's another one that's in a similar build. We, our defensive end, our defensive tackles can't all be six foot two, six foot three, needing to put on 50 pounds to, to get to where they need to be. Um, not all these guys are going to be able to carry the weight. Only some of them are. So I do like having an athletic, maybe undersized guy that you're going to grow into, but not two of them um, in this class, in a class where defensive tackle is, is is very important to refill the talent level there. Um, it sounds like he's going to be back. I don't know if it'll be for Saturday Night Live, but FSU definitely made a good impression on him. Um, 
So we'll see where that one heads. Uh, an interesting note, Zach, we saw Mark Snyder work out quite a few defensive ends, like one-on-one. So we saw him work out Johnny Newton last last week, one-on-one. We saw him work out specifically Johnny Brown this week. We saw him work out – He did he primarily work with Chris Jones? You were yes. watching Chris Jones yes. more. Yes. So yes. even though Snyder has the special teams tag, he's still heavily involved with the coaching of the defensive line. Wouldn't you agree after seeing it this week? Yeah, I agree. Definitely. I, I think that it's also just so that um, they could split up and, you know, do the the big D-line group while also focusing on the, you know, the more um, more of their targets one on one. Talk about Chris Jones out of Spruce Creek, uh, six foot five. What? How much how much does he weigh at this point? Does Chris Jones weigh? Oh, 200? Much. Yeah. 215, so, yeah, 215 I think. Yeah, he's long and he's lean, but um, what did you see? You were you spent a lot of time watching them go. So tell me about Chris Jones. Yeah, Chris Jones has a lot of um, ability to be, you know, a really good pass rusher. I watched him during the spring um, out at Coconut Creek, just right by me, and you know he looked pretty good out there. It was cool seeing him go one on one with with Snyder for a good period of time, and. Um, he showed really good bend uh, when they were doing the figure eight drill. I, I have video of that on my Twitter, but um, yeah, I definitely think that he's, he's a, he's a guy that I could see them pursuing later in this cycle um, just because of, you know, where they stand with their defensive end uh, or flash defensive end board. I'm about ready to put that crystal ball pick in for Chris to uh, Florida state. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I feel like, um, they are going to kind of like green light um, the full pursuit on him just because of his performance at the camp. Right. And I also don't see another defensive end on the board kind of built like him. Um, see a lot of those intermediate bodies, but Chris Jones is built to be a pass rusher. Still needs some work, still needs some weight to add. Um, I'd like, you know, if he could be a six foot five, six foot six, 250 pound uh, pass rusher off the edge. He he could be a monster. Um, so yeah, I think they made positive gains with Chris Jones. Um, let's stick to 2020. I think there's one more prospect I want to talk about and that's Colin Sutherland from Texas. Um, he's a three-star tight end that Florida state offered back during the spring evaluation period. Um, his older brother played for Texas A&M him and his mom arrived on campus, I believe, on Friday evening. They spent a lot of time talking to Coach Clements, and then he was on the field on Saturday. We got to see him participate. Um, look, off the hoof, looks to me more like a big inline pro-style tight end. I'm not exactly sure what FSU is looking for, but once he got on the field, he could move a little bit, did a good job of catching some balls. I saw him make a couple tough catches in traffic, um, albeit no pads. But, uh, but uh, you know, he, he caught the ball a little bit better than I was expecting. Zach, did you – you had a chance to talk to Sutherland as, as well. What's the lowdown on him? Well, yeah, I agree um, in your evaluation of him on the field. I think that he did a really great job. Um, he caught basically everything. Um, surprised me a little bit with his athletic ability. I thought he was going to be more um, clunky. But he, he moved pretty well. Um, as far as his recruitment goes, it was kind of a weird interview – um, I asked him, like, basically, you know, who'd you talk to and what were they kind of telling you? What 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 were the coaches telling you? He's like, I didn't really talk to anyone. 
Um, but me and you t- saw him speaking with Clemens for a lot. <laughs> yeah. For like a a 30 lot. minutes. But I guess they were, I think what he meant was like, they weren't talking about his recruitment, I guess, yeah, because there's maybe. no question. I mean, Clemens spent hours talking to him and his mom. <laughs> yeah. We were, we che- we went, we saw him, um, and we checked back like 30 minutes later, they were still talking. They're still there. They, yeah. And we did it a few times and they were still talking. So yeah, he must've meant like that Clemens didn't talk or yeah. any coaches didn't talk to him about like where he stands on the board, that type of thing. Cause I read that quote in the story and, and uh, yeah, it was confusing. Yeah. But yeah, do you think he, I, here's my thing. Uh, just hearing what we know about the offense. I don't know if he's a guy that we're going to be talking about moving forward. I think it's going to take him maybe coming back to campus one more time for like the July event to really spur the interest of, of the FSU coaches. But you know, not, uh, uh, with Ennis off the board, with Lou Dorsey off the board, you know, maybe he is now a priority. So we'll have to see what transpires with him. Um, he seems like a great kid. I, I got um, him and I are talking in the DM. So I'll stay up with him this week or this uh, summer, I should say, and just see how things are progressing and whether or not the FSU staff remains in contact with him. Um, there was another tight end on campus that's worth talking about right now because of the Sage Ennis news and, and these recent de- developments. And that would be Malik Bryant. He was a six foot six, 225 pound tight end. He's a bounce back from Ohio university. That's about to enroll in garden city community college, junior college. Um, Malik Bryant kind of told me that he was contacted by coach Pimpleton five days prior to the camp and just said, Hey, we got a need for tight ends. I see you're out here. You want to stop by for camp? So he, he, he camped at UAB the weekend prior. He camped at FSU this weekend um, and told me really that this is all kind of the, just the beginning of his process. He, he said he understood that he probably needed to go to Juco to put some film on. And um, due to his, He's not in junior college for academics, so he's going to be eligible in December, and he'll have three years to play three. I'm just going to put Malik Bryant kind of on the back burner as an interesting target. Um, You and I saw him. I wasn't blown away by anything that he did, but I also don't think you know that he's a guy that we should forget about. What did you What did you take away from Malik Bryant's workout, Zach? Um, yeah, I think I agree with you. It wasn't anything special, just as far as his. Uh, athleticism um, wasn't like a burner uh, and you know he was he was you know capable of doing everything that you need at that position I just think that um, you know Florida State has a full you know the full summer left and then they have all the fall evaluation to look for you know more tight ends I, I think that he's an interesting prospect that, that they could keep tabs on um, but I don't expect them to go you know full court press on them on him just yet. Yeah. And for, for some context, he was, um, committed to Maryland. He's out of Oscar Smith. That's in Virginia beach. That's where Josh sweat went to school. So he committed to Maryland, did not have grades out of high school. So went to Miami of Ohio instead, um, did fine there, but he just didn't like, he didn't like the school. He told me he didn't like the situation he was in. So I bet he was one of these kids that probably put his name in the transfer portal and didn't get picked up. That would be my guess. Um, so now he's going to go spend a semester at Juco and he could be a name that we hear about again. Uh, that's Malik Bryant, M-A-L-E-A-K Bryant. Um, moving on to some of the youngsters, 
That's what we were there for. Not going to hit you guys with all of them, but we're going to hit you guys with the ones that we think you'll hear of again in the future. Um, I, th- I think youngsters is the oldest thing you've ever said, Josh. You're officially <laughs> old man status. Youngsters. I'll take it. Um, these youngsters were primarily 2021 <laughs> kids. Um, and here we go. One that you're going to see very soon was Christopher Thomas. He's making a return visit to FSU, I think, tomorrow. Um, Thomas is a local kid. He's at Rickards. Uh, big time project, but also big time potential. Christopher Thomas, what do you think, Zach? Um, yeah, I agree. Big time project. Um, and but I also do think that just from what the coaches were, you know, how much interest the coaches were showing in him, they think he has a huge potential. Um, he's around six four, uh, two seventy. He'll grow into like a D tackle. Um, I think. He doesn't really have anything um, other than his athletic ability uh, currently just because of, you know, where he's at. And he just hasn't been taught that much. Um, Showed great strength in the one-on-one drills with offensive linemen. Um, You know, Odell was giving him a lot of attention during those drills, teaching him different things. Um, uh, They stuck around for almost the entire uh, you know, day Sunday, just hanging out with actually Quayshawn Fuller's family. They were up there um, with Odell. And I think that Christopher Thomas could, you know, if he keeps on coming back, um, you know, he could be someone that I think Odell takes under his wing um, and just kind of develops into that, um, into that, you know, a really good defensive tackle. I think that there's room there to grow. I just don't know if he's um, uh, there right now. I just think there's going to be a lot of, uh, work to work to be done with him i thought he was taller than six foot four um i wouldn't be i mean he looked he looked about six six to me he's he's not narrow but i wouldn't say he's built like a defensive tackle i personally think i would start recruiting him as an offensive tackle um i saw him in defense and yes like you said he didn't really know what he was doing so that probably contributed to what i'm about to say but he just didn't look very violent with his hands he didn't look real quick twitch and i think what skills he does have which is he is athletic he does have length in his arms and legs um i think maybe his current skill set would translate better to offense um we'll see he has so much developing to go he's such like a just a raw piece of clay um, I could tell Odell Hagens and Mark Snyder love getting their hands on him and working with him. And the fact that he's coming back to campus tomorrow is a great sign. He holds an offer from FSU, Florida, Indiana, Maryland, Purdue. So we're not the only ones that see potential in this kid. Colleges do as well. Um, he'll be back on campus tomorrow. We'll let you guys know um, what happens there. I'm going to put a crystal ball pick in for him. I, I like the fact that he's coming back just a few days after. Who, who, who are you not putting a crystal ball pick in from this weekend? <laughs> Uh, well, this would be the time if I'm going to enter crystal ball picks, it usually comes after interacting with them. Um, I might, I mean, I was going to put one in for Tisdale this morning to Auburn. Um, I think there's a bunch. If I sat down and did it, I could probably put in four or five crystal balls this morning. So I think some people get agitated that you do like four or five in a row. And I don't, I don't understand the issue with just go ahead and, and sitting down and taking time out to do a few like at once. But apparently, I mean, I don't, it's somewhat agitating to some, I don't think so. Well, maybe it is when I don't put in any for FSU and I just go in and put four, but sometimes that's probably, here's what gets me to look at my crystal ball. Like, 
I'll see other people put in picks or, or somebody will hit and I'll go check mine. I'll be like, Oh shit, I got all these old picks. I got to fix these. And I'll go, you know, and it's like spring cleaning. It's like, I don't check this for four or five weeks. And then I come in and got to make some changes. Um, but coming out of camp, yeah, I'm going to go put in some crystal ball picks. I'm going to do that this afternoon. All right. The top prospect in, out of everybody there, in my opinion, was 2021 wide receiver Ajay Hall. He's a kid from Armwood that I've been talking about even before we got him ranked. I was saying that I thought Ajay Hall was going to be the best wide receiver in the state of Florida and one of the best overall in the country. Um, I stood on a table for him during the rankings, and I don't think I had anything to do with it. <laughs> I, I just think the kid's really good. Anyway, we got him currently ranked as the number two wide receiver overall and the number 14 prospect in the entire country for the 2021 class. Um, Ajay Hall was back at Florida State for the second time. He was previously on campus for the spring game. Um, he worked out. And he showed everybody why I'm so high on him. Zach, Ajay Hall was virtually unstoppable. I've said numerous times that I think he'd be he'd probably be FSU's best wide receiver outside of Tamori and Terry. If he joined the team tomorrow, am I lying? No, you are not lying. Um, he was a stud out there just, you know, catching everything, making guys look silly in the defensive backfield. Um, but the only thing stopping him was the quarterback play. Honestly, once they got Blackman in there, uh, once they, once they got James Blackman thrown into him, he was he was virtually unstoppable. Well, so, I don't think yeah. you saw the. I don't see, think you you realized the progression to get to James Blackman. It went <laughs> it went like two or three noodle arm high school kids uh, that couldn't even get the ball near Ajay Hall. So after that, Kendall Bryle steps in. He still underthrows Ajay Hall. So the next rep, James Blackman gets in there, and finally we find somebody with the arm strength to hit Ajay Hall on a deep ball. Um, yeah, he made the defenders look silly. There's also an out route that I, that I shot. I mean, it's a simple eight yard out and he made the, you know, it was like one of those Allen Iverson highlights where the, where he crosses somebody and they go, he goes one way and they go the other. It was pretty nasty. Um, it's also on Knowles 24 seven in the highlight story that we ran, but Ajay Hall, uh, certified or solidified his spot to me as one of the top wide receivers in the country. And I'm sure FSU thinks the same. Um, not going to be an easy trip for him. We got Alabama, LSU, Miami, Georgia, Florida, Clemson, all in the mix. Um, I think Clemson right now, I, he's probably the team that I'd pencil him into. I'm not putting that crystal ball pick in just yet. He's done. FSU's done a great job of getting him on campus. I know Dugans has a, uh, great relationship with him as well, but I just think that, uh, I think Clemson right now is probably the team to beat on him. Not a lot needs to be said there. Um, anything else to add to Ajay Hall or can I move on? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Tell me about Charles Brantley. He's a guy that came with Malachi Weidman. He's a 2021 defensive back. Yeah. Yes. So he was very um, impressive on the day. We, we weren't really looking out for him at the start um, when we were coming into the camp. Um, but then we started noticing him making play after play. Um, mm -hmm. and so did, so did the FSU coaches. So they had him going against, um, I believe it was Tamari Ontario's little brother, Keon Bay Clark, a 2021 receiver, um, out of South Georgia. And Charles Brantley picked, picked it off in um, an athletic fashion, just going off and 
snabbing the interception. And right next to him was Willie Taggart. Taggart called him over. Um, Brantley didn't have an offer at the time. They talked for a little bit. Right after he got done talking with Taggart, I went over and you know I asked him what what did uh, what did Willie say? He said I, he's like I got the offer. So mm-hmm. um, Taggart offered him right on the spot. So obviously um, it was based on his performance. Um, you know he he was brought up with like you said Malachi Weidman. And the guy that brought them up was former FSU QB, Adrian McPherson. Um, and McPherson's been, you know, telling us for a while that he's a guy that, you know, we should we should be keeping an eye on. Yes, he's, he has. He's been, yeah, he's been keeping or he's been um, attracting some of the uh, some some top schools. Um, but, you know, it was good seeing him in person finally. And obviously he showed out enough to get an FSU offer. Mm, yeah. And. Adrian was very happy about it. I think McPherson just basically saw this kid's potential from, from a mile away. And now that, that Brantley's kind of getting out there and hitting some camps, it's getting recognized. Um, He's got all the intangibles and all the tools. I think he ends up as a four-star prospect when it's all said and done and probably a major target for FSU moving forward. Let's see. Any other may Tyler Moorhead. He was another one that you were anxious. You and Brendan actually, um, kept an eye on Tyler Moorhead more than I did. Brendan, come back in here. You're, you have interviewed Tyler Moorhead about a year ago coming out of camp. So what did you see from him at this one? Zach, how awkward was I on a scale of one to 10 when we tried to interview Tyler Moorhead together? Um, it was pretty awkward. We got maybe four words out of him and probably three questions. Uh, so it was, it was pretty weird, but yeah. But what, was it, was it at my presence? Wasn't he okay until I, I showed up? No, I just think that the the interview, like he, he oh, it was dumb. You know, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. was a man. He was a man of few words. Um, honestly, Josh, I was. Yeah, he's someone that I, Zach and I, kind of both stumbled on around the same time. Uh, was about a year ago now. I, I don't know, but he's he's really really good. He's from uh, Clinch County, which which won a state championship and and plays quarterback for like their wing T offense. I viewed him as more of a running back, uh, but I think he worked out. Correct me if I'm wrong, Zach. He worked out more with the the safeties, right? Yeah, he was he was working as a DB, and and I, he didn't flash a whole lot to me. I'm I'm not gonna lie, and I was looking for him, and we pay, saw him like playing playing no ball, but like I I just I was expecting I guess a little bit more explosiveness from him. Uh, I thought to me Tisdale popped a little bit more than than Tyler Moorhead did, and again that was surprising uh, at least in, in that context. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think I would have liked to see him like you said at running back. I just think his his body kind of fits that mold um, more. Uh, I, I, but I agree. He didn't really flash that much or as much as I expected him to just based on watching his tape. And we in, in 24 seven sports has him as the number 10 safety in the uh, 2021 recruiting class. Like he's a four-star guy for us. So he's still someone obviously to keep an eye on and, and just, you know, it was a, a pretty small window, but I, I'm glad that, that my opinion isn't just, uh, it's not just me there. Like he, he didn't flash as much as I think both of us were, were hoping he would. Mm-hmm. And then to wrap it up on Sunday, um, it was a quiet day, Father's Day, but there was a group from Belleville, Michigan um, team rolled through. FSU offered 2022 safety Miles Rouser and 2021 linebacker Jamari Budden. Um, There's also 21 or a 2021 offensive tackle there as well, Ramir Lewis, who I don't believe was offered, but I'll have to double check on that. Um, not putting too much weight into these kids out of Michigan. Uh, the youngsters 
just yet. We'll see how things progress with them, but just wanted stop to stop saying youngsters. Just <laughs> wanted to note that. So we have some visitors coming in this week. Um, before we wrap the show, I wanted to talk about a few of these guys. Um, we mentioned Christopher Thomas. He was coming in. He's set to come in tomorrow. He's the big uh, defensive lineman from Rickards. Also, we have an official visitor coming in. This one's extra exciting. Andre Carrick. Um, I'm not sure if that's how you say it, but that's how I'm saying it right now. Um, he's a big Texas offensive tackle. He goes about six foot five. Two, he, he's listed at 240 pounds on his 24-7 profile. So I went to his personal huddle to, to see what he had himself listed at, and it says 240 there. Um, I don't, so I can neither confirm nor deny whether he's truly 240 pounds. We will find out this weekend. I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll weigh in and we'll talk to him about that. He didn't, he didn't look too, I watched this huddle after I saw your article, Josh, he didn't look like a string being out there. Like he didn't, I didn't, 240 seems surprising to me. I'm yeah. not saying he's huge. He's like the probably like, I would guess closer to 260 at this point with, with a frame to keep adding, but yeah. 240 seems slight. We'll see. And, and the reason I went to his huddle is because the, the kids can enter their own height and weight there. So I figured if it was outdated on 24 seven, he might have it updated on his own, but um, that's all I could find. So either way, we'll find out what he weighs this weekend. Um, but he's coming in and it's a big visit because he's a guy that Randy Clements has spent some time on. Um, he's a big time pro. Well, I shouldn't say big time prospect. He's a big time uh, player at a position of need for FSU. Uh, he goes to South Lake Carroll, Texas High School, which is, I don't know, the equivalent of going to like a St. Thomas or an Armwood or just any of the perennial powers. Uh, South Lake Carroll is known to develop players. Um, the one thing that worries me is the lack of in-state offers. He holds offers from several schools, over a dozen, um, including Colorado, Virginia Tech, Ole Miss, Auburn, Arizona, Missouri, um, He's a, he's a, he's a, I wouldn't say project, but he's a prospect with high upside um, coming in, but a guy that's not an immediate impact type tackle at this point though, we just need tackles on the board um, in the commit, in the commit board, I should say. And he's going to arrive on thir- late Thursday night and expected to leave early Sunday morning. So we will get up with him when he leaves um, moving on. Uh, Braden Swinson. Does that name sound familiar? It should because he was on campus last month for an unofficial visit. Um, he's a defensive end target out of Georgia. Um, right now, see, we're at the point right now where um, got to get these guys in. He's from Douglasville, Georgia, Chapel Hill High School. You familiar with that, Brendan? What, what's good to eat around there? No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. This is one of the few places in the world I don't have a, a go-to spot at. But give me a few minutes. I can go to the Yelp for you if you'd like. All right. So when, when uh, Swinson visited last month, he's a three-star defensive end, the 50th ranked strong side defensive end in the country and the 969th best player overall. He goes about six foot three, 230. Um, Going to be recruited similar to Elijah Roberts and some of the other guys that we have on the board. Not a true, not a true pass rusher or a uh, edge rusher, but. Nonetheless, we need defensive ends. So he's coming in. This is an unofficial visit, even though it's his second visit within the last, what, three or four weeks. Um, so we'll find out. We'll find out if he if uh, he's a guy that we should put on commit watch or not. But I think he has something scheduled to UNC coming up. So that might um, might stop the commitment 
or at least the timeline, slow it down for him a little bit. Is there anybody else we want to talk about? Um, yeah, what about the um, Brian Thomas Robinson? Schrader. Oh, Schrader and Brian Robinson. I yeah, think yeah. you'd like to hear about too. those two. Well, Thomas Schrader's coming in. Zach, you've been in touch with Thomas Schrader. He's coming in on Thursday, the 20th. Can we expect a commitment from Thomas Schrader? That's what the people want to know. In my opinion, I think that if he if he does make it in, I think a commitment is very likely. Um, if you remember, I posted that article a couple of weeks ago saying that he wanted to make a decision before the dead period um, starts next week. So with him making a visit on Thursday, I don't expect him to take any other visits before that dead period starts at this time. So um, if he does, like I said, if he does arrive on campus, I think there's a good chance he commits to the Seminoles. And if you've been hiding under a rock, Thomas Schrader is has kind of emerged as the maybe the the top guy on the offensive tackle board that's showing reciprocal interest. Um, he's a six foot four, two hundred and seventy two pound true offensive tackle. Uh, although with his athleticism, there's been some talk of possibly playing center. But I think with FSU's needs, the tackle position is going to win out. He's the 48th ranked offensive tackle in the country, 587th best overall. And this one's really coming down to Louisville or Florida State. Um, He made an official visit to Louisville on May 31st. This is still going to be an unofficial, but it's going to be his third trip to FSU this offseason. The other two have come with his parents. I have no reason to believe that his parents won't be there again as well. I could see a commitment this weekend as well. Well, I shouldn't say weekend, but Thursday. And then maybe he uses that official visit later in the year to come back to campus. Um, I can't, you know, I, I don't know how many more times Thomas Schrader needs to visit campus and, and be given the tour on the golf cart. We've seen him do that twice already. This is his third. I think this is when FSU locks him up. I've had Thomas Schrader crystal ball to FSU for some time. So I am very confident heading into the weekend. And then the other visit that you guys wanted me to talk about before we get off here is Brian Robinson, um, the four-star wide receiver from where's he from? Palm Beach Central. Where's where's he from? Yeah, same school, same school as Akeem Den, Palm Beach right. Central. So Brian Robinson, Palm Beach Central. Big news on him is he decommitted from Miami since the last time we were on the podcast. He's a free man uh, looking for a new school. Well, he went to Pitt on an official visit this weekend. I was talking to some people that are telling me not to take Pitt uh, as a joke in this one, but I'm, I'm not taking Pitt real seriously just yet. I still think it's at this point, I think it's going to be FSU. Um, He's expected. The staff is expecting him in this weekend on Friday. I reached out to the person that gives him rides and the person that I'm expecting him to go with this weekend. And he tells me probably, and that he'll let me know for sure soon. Um, so it doesn't sound like it's etched in stone. This is an unofficial visit, so it's not like FSU can pay for his way. So these things are kind of up in the air until until he's on the road. But we'll be tracking Brian Robinson. If Brian Robinson makes it to campus, if he if he gets in his car and heads to Tallahassee, I'm putting in that crystal ball. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's going to commit this weekend. But I think at this point, um, we know how decommitments go. They very rarely go back to the team that they came from. And if you think about it, he committed to Miami because of Ron Dugans. He likes FSU a whole lot because of Ron Dugans. He talks to Ron Dugans more than any coach out there. I think that this one, he might take his time. He might want to see FSU on the field this fall. But eventually, I really like FSU's chances with Brian Robinson. Uh, Somebody get on here and try to tell me I'm wrong. 
I agree. You're you're wrong. But why? No, I don't really believe that. Yeah, exactly. if he's coming, if, if he's coming up to FSU, I feel like not that anyone cares about my crystal ball, but I would put a crystal ball in for him. All right, um, Zach, have you put one in yet for Brian Robinson? I have not put in one for him yet. <clears throat> I don't know. But, that's, I was just looking at a crystal ball page, and it shows me and Zach, but that's Thomas Schrader. Okay, that's so. Schrader. And, I was and, about to yell at Zach. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Trey Rowland on the on the pod last week told me to not put in any more crystal balls to help rehab my image, so I'm avoiding crystal ball selections for a while. You were like 99%. No, that was a long time ago. Mm, okay. Well, got to got to get it back. I I think I'm hitting like 82% right now, which is you're well 85 above, you're 85, 85% in this class and 70% lifetime. <laughs> right. So I mean, if anything, trust me for 2020 cuz I've been dead on. It's an engaged Newberg is a scary Newberg. Exactly. Um all right, Brandon, you got anything else to add no, to this podcast? No, very little. Very nice job. It was good hanging with you guys well, this hold weekend. Hold on. Let me, let me check with the youngster to see if he has anything else to oh, say. Yeah. Zach, do you want to chime in? Any any last words on camp? Um Stop saying youngster. Anything, young man. Um, actually, <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Um, I had a note on the uh, – there was a kid in coming in today, actually. Um, I think he already finished his visit, but it was 2021 safety James Williams out of – He's now at Western High School. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an athletic freak, 6'5", um, I think 200 or under that. Um, really, really athletic. I mean, he's 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 cr- crazy um, talented. He was committed to Miami earlier this year. He decommitted. Um, so now he's opened things up. And I think that, you know, getting him on campus is a really good trend for FSU. I just... I think that he's going to be one of those guys that gets targeted by like the Georgias and the Alabamas and those kind of schools down the stretch. But I think that was, that was a very noteworthy um, youngster that made it to campus. Good job. Young Zach. Um, he's all right. Like a year young. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Hey, I got some, I got a little scoop real quick. Just happened. Just got an email. And it's going to be up online before we actually probably produce the podcast. I got Ron Dugan's contract, his letter of understanding. You guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. His contract for 2020, so this upcoming season, or sorry, 2019, he'll only make $220,000. Is that offset from? Miami, I would have to imagine. It's not in the contract, so I have to look it up. But he will make 450000 in 2020 to 2021 in the right. second year. So, so Miami probably owes him 250 or something. Uh, or something in that range that at right. least kind of offset it. But yeah, so how about that? That's a little, little, little scoop, a little intel there. I don't think anyone else has that just yet. So let's keep it between ourselves, and then, uh, and then it'll be up online in a few minutes here. All right. Thanks a lot. Um, this was a – there's a lot going on at camp. So if you guys have any questions about maybe a guy we didn't talk about, we just try to be uh, thorough and – and hit on as many names as we can, but we certainly didn't hit on everybody. So if you guys got any questions, um, ask them in the, in the, uh, comment section of this article or just on the Knowles 24 seven message board. So I'll take us out from here for Brendan Sinone, for Zach Blostein. This is Josh Newberg and we're on the bench. Um, if you guys could hop on iTunes, rate us five. No, stars, no, we're, we're not allowed to, we're not allowed to ask for five star reviews for like a month. Why? This, get, was a, this was a great podcast. I just want you guys to go I on promised. there. Uh, well, I didn't. So thank you and goodbye. <laughs>